Welcome to the weekly message from Rama Family Church. It is our hope that as you listen to this message, you will come to know Jesus better and be established in your faith and equipped for the work of the ministry. You can view the sermon notes and listen online at rhema.org.au forward slash media. Father, I thank you for the privilege of looking into your holy word. Father, we just thank you, Lord. We are alive. We're supernatural. And so, Father, we thank you that as we look into your word, that you help me to uh, minister, that you would give me uh, the ability to clearly speak your word and teach your word in the precious name of Jesus. And I thank you that all those that are listening, that you give them ears to hear. And this is just not knowledge or information, but it's revelation knowledge. And that uh, I ask in the name of Jesus, amen. Well, today we're just gonna look at something, Romans chapter eight and verse two, I'll read that and then we'll say some things. But it says, because the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. So this particular verse, if you notice there, there's like two spiritual laws in this verse that it's talking about. There, the, the one spiritual law is the law of the spirit of life in Christ, and the other spiritual law is the law of sin and death. So just a few things about spiritual laws. The law of sin and death has been working in the earth for about 6,000 years, and the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has been working in the earth for about 2,000 years. So once a spiritual law is activated, unless there is a higher law that can supersede it, it stays active and working. And so at the moment, both of these laws are currently active. Now, spiritual laws, they work the same for every person, everywhere, and every time. And so if you're flesh, if you're a person, go like that. And if like you're really alive, which you should be if you're hearing my voice, that means that spiritual laws work for you everywhere and every time. It works for every person the same way, okay? So there is one of these laws is producing life. For the last 2,000 years, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has been producing life. And for about 6,000 years, the law of sin and death has been producing death. So we're going to look at these today a little bit closer. But I, I think it's important to know that understanding these two spiritual laws, uh, they're, they're active and working for everyone, everywhere and every time. And that is a key truth for Christians, okay? So thinking about these laws, these laws actually, they form belief systems. These, these two spiritual laws, they'll form belief systems in people they actually form narratives and concepts around the world. The effect of them, the outworking of these laws, that's what they do. Belief systems, narratives, concepts. Many things in the world are rooted in one of these laws. We could even say that creativity is rooted in these laws. So there are creative people that are in Christ and the law of the spirit of life that's working in them cause them to be creative for God and the things of God. But then there are creative people that are not in Christ and the law of sin and death works in them and their creativity assists the evil going on in the world. 
and so we see that. Uh, one place you can see that is in Hollywood and creativity in music in various places. So these, these two spiritual laws, it's important that we know they're there and they're working, all right? And we're gonna say more about these as we go on. But here's a question. What is and who activated the law of sin and death? So what is it and who activated it? So we wanna look at Genesis chapter three and verse two, and that says the, the woman said to the serpent, we may eat the fruit from the trees in the garden. Verse three, Genesis three, but about the fruit of the tree in the middle of the garden, God said, you must not eat or touch it or you will die. So very important to notice that he said, if you eat the fruit, you will die. So the law of sin and death was activated when Adam disobeyed God. I'll just say it one more time. The law of sin and death was activated when Adam disobeyed God. So spiritual death came upon the human race when this happened. And spiritual death is the root cause of natural or physical death. And we've said it before, but if Adam and Eve did not commit this sin and disobey God, they would still be alive. The only reason that humans, flesh and blood, began to die is because spiritual death came in, the law of sin and death, and, the, and because of sin, eventually physical death happened. Okay, here's another question. Does the Old Testament law have anything to do with the law of sin and death? The Old Testament law that we talk so much about. So to say that the law of sin and death is solely the Old Testament law and nothing else, that would not be totally correct. So we wanna just look at this and make sure we get that uh, because the law of the Old Testament that we talk about so often it did not exist in the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve sinned. Moses wasn't there. <laughs> there was just, you know, there weren't the, the people necessary to be there for the law to come that we read in the Bible, they weren't there. It was like a small crowd, okay? So the law, as we talk about so much, it's not the law of sin and death the law of sin and death happened when Adam and Eve disobeyed God and sin came and then death followed. 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 56 tells us this, the sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. Now that's gonna make more sense as we go on, but see the power of sin is the law. Sin happened before the law came, but the law made sin more powerful is another way we could say that. So we could even illustrate it this way, is there's a group of people that were in the Old Testament and they weren't Christians. They were dead in sin and the Spirit of God wasn't on the inside of them. So other than their human conscience, there wasn't any law on paper prohibiting them from doing what their flesh wanted to do. So, so I, I, if you're seeing that picture, people without Christ 
dead in their sins. They had a human conscience, but there wasn't anything on paper saying what, what is right and what is wrong, okay? So if there isn't a law that says something is wrong, then people, when they do it, and unless their human conscience would bother them, they would not know it's wrong. So there's this group of people, and they were doing things that their flesh wanted to do. We know in the book of Galatians, we know that there's the fruit of the Spirit, and we know there's the works of the flesh. Well, the fruit of the Spirit didn't exist 6,000 years ago, but the works of the flesh started when Adam and Eve sinned. The works of the flesh began way back 6,000 years ago. And so they were already there in people working. And then what happened is the law came. The law came. And so when the law came, Romans 5, 20 explains it. We already saw how 1 Corinthians 15, 56 said that it, the power of sin is the law. But look at Romans 5, 20 in the first part of that. It says God's law was given so that the people could see how sinful they were. So the law in the Old Testament is not the law of sin and death, but what the law, when the law was given, it actually showed people who were dead in their sins and who, uh, who uh, did not know what right and wrong was, it showed them how sinful they were. Romans chapter seven and verse 13, it says this, it says, was then that which is good, that's talking about the law, death to me? In no way. But the purpose was that sin might be seen to be sin. It's just talking about the law. So the law was considered good. Uh, but then because it came, the purpose was that sin might be seen to be sin by working death to me through that which is good. And that which is good is talking about the law. The Bible says the law was holy. So that through the orders of the law, sin might seem much more evil. And so the law of sin and death again happened when Adam and Eve disobeyed God. They sinned and sin came into the world. They died spiritually. There was a spiritual death. And then that spiritual death because of their sin eventually ended up in physical death. And then when the law came, the law magnified sin. We could say it that way. So these verses that we're reading, they help us to see that the law of sin and death was in the world, and, and, and it was in the world since Adam sinned, and so that's been about 6,000 years. Now Romans chapter 7 and verse 13, what we could say about that, it actually shows us or illustrates or explains there is a combin combination of man, men, women, humans, there's a combination of unregenerate people, humans. They're not, they're, they're dead in sin. And the restraint of God's law coming in and they begin working together. And what happens, as we said, it really magnifies sin. So just like one more time, let's look at that. You have these two things. You have man, humans who were dead in their sins in their flesh, and then there's a law that came, and so in, they're working in conjunction with each other, and what happens is between those two things, people dead in their sins in their flesh, and the law coming in, sin is magnified. So this is just helping us to understand the law of sin and death, and then the law that came in 
that really exposes the law of sin and death. Let's ask this question then, what are the effects of the law of sin and death? What effects did the law of sin and death have? So let's look at a few. Here's the first thing. The law of sin and death when it came into the world actually affects creation, all of creation. Look at this in Romans chapter eight and verse 19. The earth and all of creation is the first thing. And we see that in Romans eight and verse 19, it says, for the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. So creation's waiting for something. Then, then it says, for the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. So what, what's that talking about? Well, that's referring back to Genesis chapter three and verse 17, when Adam and Eve sinned, the Lord said, if, if the Lord said, if you eat that, this is going to, excuse me, this is going to happen. And the Lord cursed the land that happened. He said the whole, uh, here, I'll just read what he, uh, what he said because you listened to your wife and ate from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from, don't eat from this tree. The very ground is cursed because of you. And so Romans 8.20 says, for the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, not that the creation wanted it. <laughs> the, the earth didn't want to be cursed by the creator God, but it happened, okay? So, so then look at verse number 21, that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. So all of creation was affected when Adam and Eve sinned and they fell. There was a curse that happened and creation itself desires to be set free from the bondage that it is in. And it, it says bondage to corruption. And so, uh, many of the people on the earth are concerned about the earth and how, if it's going to last through, continue to last and, and all about global warming and about food supplies and all that. Well, God himself cursed the earth back when Adam and Eve sinned. We're not to be concerned about it because there's going to be a new heaven and earth, as we said before. But we just have to see that verse 22 helps us see something. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. So when we say, well, did, what did the law of sin and death affect? One thing that it affected is the earth and all of creation. And all of creation is groaning and travailing. It desires to be redeemed. It's an amazing thing. So that's one thing that we see that happened. Here's something else that happened when the law of sin and death came, that Satan gained a position of authority on earth. And we can see that in Luke chapter four and verse five, it says, so he took up and showed them, uh, let, me, let me, showed him, excuse me, all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. This is the devil taking Jesus and, and making him see all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And then the devil said to him, I will give you their splendor and all this authority because it has been given over to me and I can give it to anyone I want to give it to, I want. 
And so when Adam and Eve sinned, something was handed over to the devil. When God created Adam and Eve and they, he put them in the garden, he gave them authority and they were actually the ones that had authority on the earth when they sinned. First, of course, it affected creation, as we said, but then it affected who had authority on the earth. There was a change there and the devil came into a place of having authority and he even tempted Jesus with that. And he said, I'll give you this authority because it's been given to me and I can give it to whoever I want. So uh, I'm sure we've all seen a movie back, uh, I mean, years ago, uh, I saw a movie where some, it was about somebody that sold their soul to the devil. Well, that's why there's that kind of talk going on because the devil actually can give things to people on the earth. It never ends well for those people that go that route, but this is what we see here. Jesus did not fall for this temptation. Now here's another scripture in Psalm chapter 50 and verse one. It says, the mighty one, God the Lord speaks and summons the earth from the rising of the sun to the setting. So notice what God is doing concerning the earth, the physical earth. And then 2 Corinthians 4.4, 4, and we looked at this uh, back a number of weeks ago. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God. And so what we see here, if we contrast these two scriptures, at first you might think, oh, there's, these things are in conflict. There's, there, there's something not right here because they're, they're, like one says, one says that God, the God is doing stuff and the other talks about the devil being the God. So like, what is that? It's real simple. The Lord is running the entire universe. That means the planets, he put the planets in place in, in our solar system. He created the whole universe, which we haven't seen much of that, but then there's solar systems. In our solar system, he put all the planets in place and they're rotating and turning and going around. He's, he's controlling and he's holding all of that together the mighty one, God, the Lord, who speaks in some the earth from the rising of the sun to the setting. He's taking care of all these big things, the planets, the stars, the earth, gravity. But then yet the devil, he's influencing people, both individually and even groups of people through a, directly, he can speak into people's ears and lie to them and influence them that way. But he can use media, he can use uh, so many channels. We looked at that a number of weeks ago about the cosmos and that how the, the Lord, uh, he, he's looking after the earth, but the devil's influencing the system. And so we see these two things. So when Satan gained a position of authority he also then got, he got his foot in the door to influence the system. So that's another thing that happened. And then number three, we'll just look at three. Every person on earth became affected or is affected by what happened when Adam and Eve sinned. And we see that in Romans chapter five and verse 12, it says, therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, and death through sin, in this way death spread to all people because all sinned. 
Then verse 13 and 14, it says, in fact, sin was in the world before the law. Now we already said that, but here it is in scripture. It wasn't my opinion. Sin was in the world before the law, but sin is not charged to a person's account when there is no law. So that's something that we already said. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those who did not sin in the likeness of Adam's transgression. He is a type of the coming one. So we know that there was the first Adam and Jesus was the second Adam, but let's talk about this a little bit. Now there's a percentage of people on the earth and they're not real happy that God didn't stop Adam from sinning. And then even after Adam sinned, there's a percentage of people because you once in a while run into somebody and they refuse to receive Jesus Christ as their savior because they say, well, why did God let Adam sin? And then why did that sin come on all of us? I, I didn't do it, so I don't want anything to do with God. Well, oh, how much you're missing and, and what a bad choice that is. Uh, but this is just what it is, okay? And so it affected every human being that's born into the earth. When Adam and Eve sinned and the law of sin and death came, it made it necessary for every human being to make a choice sometime in their life if they hear the gospel. And the gospel and receiving Jesus Christ is the only way out of, the, of that spiritual death. It's the only way out. So here's the good news, okay. God, before the foundation of the world, planned our way out. And so why are, what, what, what are we talking about these two spiritual laws for and why is it relevant today? Well, I said this earlier, but these two spiritual laws, they form belief systems. They're both working and in their outworkings, see, they're, they're working the spiritual laws that are at work, they'll even work in people. We know that we, we see in, in Ephesians chapter two that it, it says the world is on the course and the spirit of disobedience works in the children of, disobe- in the children of disobedience. Uh, the spirit of the devil, uh, evil, working in the children of disobedience. And so we know that the outworkings of the spirit of the devil working in people that are not saved, there's outworkings there. And so there's belief systems that are being formed by these people that spew things out that are not of God. But then there is the other side that people that are born again and they have God, they are giving out rivers of life and truth and that forms belief systems also. So out of these things, we said it, there's like narratives that come, there's concepts, um, these belief systems, uh, many things uh, in the world that are even now accepted, they came from one of these laws working in people. Some are true and some are false. So Jesus, he was addressing a group and he called them vipers in Matthew 12. And he said this to them, he said, the tree is either good or bad. And so he was beginning to talk about the tree is a person in this case. 
and it's a person and the fruit that comes from their life. And he said, make the tree either good or bad. It's either good or bad. And so what he's, what's he doing? He's talking about two different groups of people. So I was thinking about that and we're gonna look at the scripture soon. But I said this a number of times that the media and even certain politicians, they work to divide us because the devil hates God's creation and his influence and the law of sin and death working through people, there's, there's that desire to divide. And so as thinking about that, and they use every card they can to do that, but let's talk about, we talk about um, worldview, we talk about Christian worldview, let's just talk about like God's worldview and how he would see things. And I think that because Jesus, just what he said here, make the tree good or bad, I think if we thought, well, what, what is God's worldview? I would say God's worldview is that he sees two groups of people. He sees those that are alive and those that are dead. I don't think God's looking down, looking at color. I don't think God's looking at down, seeing, look at how much money they have. I'm gonna hang out with the rich people and forget the poor. No, I don't think God's doing any of those things. God looks at the heart and God notices those that are alive and those that are dead. And he sent his son for the dead ones so they could become alive. And that is God's worldview, two groups of people. And so even though the media and all these narratives are out there that try to divide us so we fight, which would be good for the devil, God sees these two groups of people. Matthew chapter 12 and verse 35, it says, the good person out of the good treasure brings forth good. He's talking about somebody that receives his son and the law of the spirit of life starts working in them. And then here's another translation of it, which I like. He sa- this one says, a good person produces good things from his storeroom of good. So when we receive Jesus as Lord, the law of the spirit of life starts working in us. And, and so what we produce will be good. So with that said, what we want to talk about today and really get into is a little bit the law of the spirit of life. So let's just look at some things about the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. What does it do in us? What does it do for us? And what can it do if it works out of us when, when, we, when we let that life come out? So let's talk about this first one. We won't spend a lot of time on this because I think most of us know that. If you're sitting in church, you know this. But the first thing the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus does is it makes us alive unto God. And you see, John chapter five and verse 21, Jesus said this, he said, for as the father raises the dead and gives them life, so also the son gives life to whom he will. And so anybody that receives Jesus Christ is going to receive life. That's the first thing about the law of the spirit of life. It's just not some nebulous thing that's out there in the universe or in the atmosphere, but it is actually something for us. And when we receive Jesus Christ as Lord, we have life. We leave death and we have life. First Corinthians 15, 22 says, for as Adam, for as in Adam all die, 
so also in Christ shall all be made alive. So anybody that receives Jesus Christ, you're made alive. And I think most of us in the church know that we were dead, but we now are alive. Let's look at another one. The second thing is we could say this, when we receive Jesus, we are restored back into a place of authority. And you see that in, in, in Ephesians 2 and verse 6, it says, so that we came back from death with him. I like that so much. We came back from death with him and are seated with him in the heavens in Christ Jesus. So I was thinking about that, that we, us, the human race, we, we made a comeback. We came back, we made a comeback. We were behind by a few points in this game and these few points that we were buying, it was the law of sin and death that was causing us to be behind in a few points. But in him, we made a comeback. It was like a trick play on the devil. Some, God called the trick play on the devil. And it was like the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Trick play. It led to a touchdown. And the points that were scored were this. It resulted in, for us, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. So we have made a comeback and we're alive. But not only that, our authority has been restored. Okay, so uh, Romans chapter five and verse 17, love this. It says, if by the one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive the overflow of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. So when we talk about the law of the spirit of life, as soon as we're made alive and quickened, the way that God's worldview and how he would see us is that we're on the earth to rule and reign. Christians are on the earth to rule and reign. The law of the spirit of life that begins working in us, we become alive in him, and then our authority is restored back to us. We receive a, a seat in the heavenly places with Christ. So we're on the earth and we have a great purpose. And in, 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 uh, somebody once, uh, I think they had this dream, trying to think if they were just taken out of their body and they went into heaven, or if it was a dream, or they actually died and then they came back, they were healed and raised to life. I can't remember how it happened, but when they were up in heaven, they talked to Jesus and he said, the only time you can exercise authority on the earth is when you're in a body. As soon as you die and leave your body, you no longer are allowed to exercise authority on the earth. So as, as far as purpose goes, we Christians, we are on the earth and one of the purposes we have is we can exercise authority. So the plans and the purposes of God, the things that he would tell, we would, if you get a prayer assignment and you have a prayer assignment, you can pray with authority. You can do that assignment and, and you're not doing it on your own, you have a seat in heaven, you're seated in a heavenly place, and you can do that assignment with authority. Everything we do. In your home, you have authority. 
If there's sickness in your home, you have a heavenly seat in the heavenlies. Your authority has been restored back to you. And according to the Bible, everything is under the feet of Jesus and we're seated with him. So the devil's under his feet. Sickness and disease are under his feet. So in this time when so many uh, are, are uh, we're, we're hearing all these uh, uh, people that have COVID and various things. And although many of the cases have been mild, uh, it's not a time to just sit back and relax. Even though it's uh, the words out there, oh, it's mild. Get full of God's word. Feed on the word. Remind yourself of the authority that you have. Authority has been restored back to us. Here's the third thing that happened. The charges against us were dropped. And so you see that in Colossians chapter two and verse 14, it says he canceled the record of the charges against us and took away, took it away by nailing it to the cross. So, you know, what, what's that talking about? Is there a way that we can explain that better? Well, it's kind of like this, like you're in prison. Just picture yourself, you're in prison. You have like a heap of charges that you were found guilty and you have this life sentence in prison. You're sentenced to prison for life. Well, that's what really Adam sinned and there would be a life sentence on that sin. He found, was found guilty. And because Adam sinned, as we saw in scripture, that that sin came on everyone. That same, we are, everyone on the earth that's born is eventually held responsible for that sin. It's like life in prison. So you're in prison, heap of charges, found guilty on all of them. You're gonna be there for life. But then the prime minister, he's gonna do a pardon. You know, every so often presidents and prime ministers decide to pardon people. And the prime minister just like hears about you and takes a liking to you. So he just decides to pardon you. And so he decrees that you are a free man and all the charges have gone away forever. You come out of prison and there's no, there's no paperwork that it's all been demolished. The charges are dropped and your slate is clean and you can go back into society. Well, that's what happened when Jesus did what he did. And then when we receive him as our Lord, we're made alive, we're restored back to a place of authority. And those charges that were being held against us that we were guilty for because of what Adam did, they're completely dropped. Now the world doesn't know this, but those charges are dropped against them. But if they don't hear the gospel, and then if they don't receive Jesus Christ, they live under that guilt and shame. And they come up with all these different ways to try to remove the guilt and shame. They look for ways to get out from under that. But we can leave that guilt and shame immediately by receiving Jesus Christ as our Lord. So Colossians 2.15, we read 14, it says he canceled the record of charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. But then 2.15 says, in this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. And so when you think about that, that's why we know that the scripture tells us Jesus is our intercessor and not only that, he's, he's our advocate and he pleads our case. 
So the charges have been dropped. The devil was humiliated by what Jesus did on the cross when he died and buried and was raised from the dead. It was humiliation. It was great defeat. It was that, uh, as I said earlier, that trick play, hallelujah, that he, we, we got a touchdown scored and now we, we're back and we're alive again. But he, what he did here is that the devil is the accuser of the brethren and Jesus is the advocate. And because the charges have been dropped, the devil's accusing us and saying, you, you, maybe you miss it and you sin. You've sinned and you missed it. And the devil will accuse you and he'll even accuse you before God. But Jesus is our advocate. And when he's doing all the accusing, Jesus, because the charges have been officially dropped, Jesus is saying, no, they're clean. They're washed in the blood. They're white as snow. They're the righteousness of God in Christ. They're seated in heavenly places. They're my children. This is what, he's our advocate. The, the charges, if you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord, the charges have been dropped that were being held against you. You're declared innocent. You're declared clean. You're declared free. It's important to know this the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Here's the fourth thing, that we receive a deposit or we have a deposit placed in us of God's nature. And you know, 1 Corinthians three sixteen it says, don't you yourselves know that you are God's temple and that the spirit of God lives in you? So Ben, think about this, we're made alive, we're seated in heavenly places, we're restored, we, our authorities comes back, the charges against us are dropped, and then we also get this deposit on the inside of us, God's nature. We're the temple of the Holy Spirit. And then Galatians 5.22 and 23, it says, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. The law is not against such things. See, the law in the Old Testament wouldn't have a problem with any of these things because these are godly things. So in the Old Covenant, the law, as we said earlier, it was a restraint for sin. It came in and it was do this and don't do that. It was a lot of do's and don'ts and it was put in place to help people uh, and to restrain and to minimize sin. It didn't really do that well because people still uh, did quite a bit of sinning. But what we could say about that, it restrained people with instruction or commands or head knowledge, and it was in the form of laws. That's how the restraint came. In our covenant, the fruit of the Spirit on the inside in the life of God, our restraint from sin comes from within we're made alive and new. So the sin nature in our spirit, we're regenerated and made alive, that's gone. And then we have the fruit of the spirit, the nature and the character of God imparted to us. So this statement came into my heart, my spirit, as I was preparing, and it's this, our new nature which made us alive in Christ in conjunction with an impartation 
of God's character restrains us from the inside out. A little bit heavy there, maybe. But not with knowledge only, but with both the life and the character of God. So our new nature, which made us alive in Christ in conjunction with an impartation of God's character on the inside, restrains us from the inside out not with knowledge only, but it's both the life and the character of God. That's the law of the spirit of life working on the inside of us. Praise God. There's two more. Here's the fifth one. When the law of the spirit of life and when we receive Jesus Christ, Jesus becomes our wisdom. In 1 Corinthians 1.30, it is from him that you are in Christ Jesus who became wisdom from God for us, our righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. But let's just talk about this wisdom. When the nature and character of God is imparted on the inside of us, the Spirit of God, the third, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and we have the Spirit of God on the inside of us, you know, there, there's wisdom there. There's wisdom there, okay? And so we could say this, that Christians have wisdom from God. It's available to them. The Bible says, if you lack wisdom to ask, but Jesus has been made wisdom unto us. So having him in us by the spirit of God, like here's one thing for every Christian, we should not be deceived by the narrative that's out there in the world. There's narratives out there Many of them are not true. Many of them are not godly. And Christians that have God's wisdom should be able to uh, identify. In other words, the law of the spirit, of the law of sin and death is working out there in the children of disobedience, okay? So even though it's working out there in the children of disobedience and they're doing what they do, when somebody received Jesus Christ as Lord, that person should be able to identify, that's, that's not God, that's not God, that's not truth, that's the wrong narrative, that's et cetera. You see what I'm saying? So we, the, when the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus begins to work in us, we should have wisdom to identify right, wrong, truth, lies, et cetera. And then lastly, we can now speak life from a place of life. That we can speak life from a place of life. There's people that are dead in their sins and they're speaking death from a place of death. But Christians, we can speak life from a place of life. So here's just a few scriptures that even show this. In Psalm 107 and verse 20, he sent out his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. So the word going out, his words are spirit and life and the word going out brought healing. Another translation says it this way, he spoke the word that healed you. Being able to, God's word is life. And when God's word is spoken, it can cause change. Okay, so we could say this, when we put his word in our mouth and speak it from our hearts, 
the same powerful life flows out of us. So it's important to know, you you, you know, you might think, well, you know, okay, I'm a Christian. And you might not make any other deal out of that. But no, okay, you're a Christian, but you know what that means? That you are alive unto God. You're seated in heavenly places. You have a seat of authority. You can exercise authority on the earth. You have God's word. God's word is, God is life. His word is life. His word is spirit and life. And so you in your home can command sickness and disease. In your home, you can command fevers to leave children. Your wife, wives can speak to their husbands and command sickness off their husbands, command healing into their bodies because of the law of the spirit of life. The same glory that raised Christ from the dead dwells in each one of us who are Christians. The same glory, the glory of God that raised Christ. There's a, there, there was a lot of power it took to raise Christ from the dead. That glory dwells in you. And you can release life from your heart and through your mouth. Look at this in Matthew 8, 16. That evening, they brought to him many who were oppressed by demons, and he cast out the spirits with a word and healed all who were sick. His words were so powerful. Jesus was alive unto God, and Jesus was full of God's word. And when he spoke that word, it brought great results. Jesus said, the works that I do shall you do also. And so if you're a Christian, you are alive unto God and you can be full of his word and you can speak his word and speak life. Luke, Luke chapter seven and verse seven, the second part of that verse, uh, when, and, and, uh, and I, I have two translations here. One says, but say the word and let my servant be healed. But I like the message Bible there too. It says, just give the order and my servant will get well. And so we're talking about the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, the same glory that raised Christ from the dead, dwelling and living on the inside of us and us that we can speak life from a place of life. So I just wanna encourage everyone, you are, alive unto God if Jesus Christ is your Lord. You are seated in heavenly places and you have a seat of authority. It has been restored. You have God's wisdom. You have a deposit of God's nature, the nature of God, the gifts, the fruit of the spirit living on the inside of you. Love is on the inside of you. I'm excited about this to be alive on the earth right now in Christ. And so what are we gonna do today as we uh, get ready to dismiss? We're gonna speak some life. And so uh, we had um, somebody on our worship team was tested positive. And, uh, and as a result, when the worship team rehearsed on Thursday night, they, uh, they actually released authority. They exercised their authority in prayer and they made some declarations. And so I really, what, what we wanna to do today is we just want to have, we wanna see exactly how there was prayer that went 
on Thursday night for the worship team. It's a fresh testimony. And so I'm going to have Kurt, now, now because we're filming this on a Saturday evening, you'll notice that Kurt played the bass guitar earlier in a different set of clothes, but he's here filming the night before in the clothes he's in. And so he, he's actually going to show us how they prayed Thursday night at rehearsal and, and it's gonna be a demonstration. And then I'm going to demonstrate some things too on how the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, how it, what it does, we talked about what it does in us, what it does for us, but also how it, it can work out of us. And so um, I'm gonna have Kurt come up and show that. Yeah, good morning church. Uh, we're just gonna, we're gonna use our authority right now in the name of Jesus and we're gonna pray a, pray a prayer, an effective prayer. Here we go, Father. In the name of Jesus, we, we know your word is true. We are convinced of it. We are wholeheartedly convinced your word is true. When your word says that, that uh, by your stripes we are healed, Lord, we believe it. When your word says that, that no weapon formed against me shall prosper, we believe it. Lord, and you said whatever we desire, when we pray, believe we receive it, we shall have it. Father, that is one of the greatest promises you've ever, that's ever come out of your mouth, Lord. And we claim it, we, we, we rebuke devil and his activity on any symptoms that try to come against any of us in, in, in this church or anyone online, Father, who's listening, we rebuke it and we curse it and we say, you are well in Jesus' name. You desire us to be well, Lord. You, say, you said, Lord, in, uh, in 3 John chapter 2, you said that, uh, that you wish above all that we be prosperous and in good health, just as our soul prospers, Lord, so we claim it. We claim it, we can have it, Father, because you desire it, we desire it, so Lord, we believe, we receive it in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Be blessed, church. Thanks, Kurt, for, for just demonstrating how you let the life of God out of you and exercise your authority. Uh, and, and thinking about that too, that you know, we, we talked uh, about a pattern that we saw in the scripture in the book of Acts that they first magnified God. It wasn't that God needed the magnifying, he's God, but they magnified and talked about how great he was. And then from that place, they had a request. So let's think about this, that Jesus is seated in heavenly places. So this is something also, the, the law of the spirit of life working in each one of us. So th this is good to remind ourselves to say these kind of things. So this, this is just a demonstration on what you can do to remind yourself. So you can say, uh, because he is seated in heavenly places, I am seated in heavenly places. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I have the same glory that raised Christ from the dead dwelling in me. And you can begin declaring these things. It's the law of the spirit of life, the same glory that raised Christ from the dead. It reminds you of who you are. You can, and you can talk about what you have. And so the, these are just uh, some things that were on my heart uh, for this Sunday. Uh, before we leave today, I just wanna make sure everyone that's watching both online and also here inside our church building. If you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord, uh, then according to the Bible, you're not alive unto God, but you're dead. But there's good news. 
and I'm just a straight shooter, so I'm just telling you according to the Bible that you would need to be made alive. And the only way that you can be made alive is to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord. And so I just want to lead you in a prayer. And of course, prayers work really well when you pray from your heart, not because somebody makes you pray. So I really encourage you, I'm gonna lead you in this prayer, but if you believe Jesus Christ died for you, he took your sins and God raised him from the dead. If you believe that and you believe he is the way to God and Jesus himself said, I am the only way to, to God. I am the way, the truth and the life. No man can come to the Father except through me. That's what Jesus said. If you believe those things, you're ready to receive him and pray. So I just wanna lead you in a prayer so you can say this after me. Heavenly Father, I come to you in Jesus' name and I realize I need a savior. I believe Jesus died for me. He was buried for me. He took my sin and you raised him from the dead. Jesus, I receive you as my savior. I believe God raised you from the dead. You're welcome in my heart. Thank you so much that you love me. You love me so much that you died for me. You took my sins. Thank you. You're now my Lord. Well, church, have a powerful, victorious week. Remember who you are. Remember what you have. Remember what you can do. Do not cave in to evil, but overcome evil with good. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus supersedes the law of sin and death. The victory is ours. Praise God. Have a great week. If you would like more information or resources on this or other topics, or if you would like to sow into this ministry financially to help us share messages just like this one each week, please visit our website at brainer.org.au.